Welcome to Grief Recovery Now podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Gorzella, your grief recovery specialist. This podcast is being produced just for you, someone who has been challenged and heartbroken over a significant and devastating loss, death, divorce, sudden life change, or the many other ways we experience grief. You will be taken on a conversational journey with me and some special guests who have come out the other side of grief and committed to small, powerful, and courageous steps that made all the difference in their lives for the better. I want to instill in you on what is possible, that joy, hope, peace, and happiness is closer than you think. While your life is forever changed, you can have a beautiful new outlook on your relationships and loss with a sense of completion that goes deep in your soul. Ready, set, now. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Charlene Gorzella, your host today and every day for Grief Recovery Now podcast. So happy you're here with us today. I'm so grateful for your presence, no matter where you are in the world. This is a podcast is come as you are. Come if you're in deep grief, welcome. If you're just exploring grief for yourself or maybe a loved one, welcome. And if you're just curious about grief and recovery in general in life, welcome. Or if you're in the in-between of all that, welcome. Again, so grateful you're here today. Before I do a podcast, I always do a meditation. And something comes through me that I wanted to talk about today. Years ago, my mother died when I was 29. And my dad died when I was 16. And I had a mentor. She was in her 80s. And I loved her. She was like the grandmother I never had. And I never really got to know my grandparents. I knew my grandfather, but not the two grandmas and another grandfather. I really didn't know them. They died when I was very young. And one day, it was maybe four to five years that I had known this woman since, and then also since my mom died, I started, I talked to her a little bit about how I was feeling about my mother in grief. And she said, you should be over it by now. And granted, she's a beautiful woman who've taught me so much, but she said, you should be over it already. And I just was stunned. And it made me just shut up. And I judged my grief and my process for my mother. I remember, I think I was telling her about a song I was listening to. Whitney Houston was my mother's song. And I can't, it was called All at Once. And every time that song came on, I would just sob. And my old boyfriend used to go, why do you even listen to the song? You cry every time. I go, but because I have to, I want to, it feels good. So I was honoring part of my mourning and part of my grieving process and the reason why I brought this up about my, you know, mentor, Francis, who I love dearly, is the myths of grief. One of the myths is that you should stop grieving after a certain time and take, give it a year, two years, six months or whatever. And that's a myth that there is a time limit on your grief. And what I want to share today, there is no time limit on grief. We go through different stages of our own experience of acceptance and honoring that grief, also being mad at that grief, whatever it is. And I'm not talking about Ellen Kubler-Ross on her stages. This her stages of grief is for the person who's dying, not for the stage of grief that is with the griever of the loss. And then why I got into grief recovery now, I'm not a counselor or a therapist. What I do is a, a healing modality with some therapeutic principles in there, and it's an educational modality and helps me get my clients and myself 
I'm a client. I am someone who went through this process. It took me through unresolved grief to resolve many years later, 30 years later with my mother, especially and my father, many, many years before that. And takes me from incomplete to complete. And discovery is not recovery. There's certain small, powerful steps you take to get to the recovery side. You don't forget about the person. You don't forget about the grief or the loss, but a sense of fullness that you take into this relationship and this loss with a sense so you could live more fully, more purposely, and more appreciative of what you lost in a way that's you're not bogging you down or stopping you or gives you filters in life that's afraid to love and live fully. So anyways, that's my thought of today. I wanted to share it with you. And I have a special guest today. His name is Joe McQuinlan. I've known him for a long time. We don't see each other for decades, right? But like, thank God for Facebook and all that. And a lot of you know, I'm in the recovery community through drugs and alcohol, 12-step program. And I met Joe, I'm 30, I'm almost 33 years sober. And Joe has 35 years of recovery from drugs and alcohol. And we met each other when we were all saving our butts at the time, very early recovery. And we all stuck together and a lot of us are still sober, clean and sober. And so what happens now for me, 33 years later, almost 33 years later, Joe is on my podcast and he's lived life. And let me tell you a little bit about Joe's background and then we'll get into the meat of it and start the, or you know continue on to this part of the program and podcast. Uh, Joe McQuillan. Joe was married for 28 years and a father of three children. One is on the other side. Joe was the youngest of 10 children from an Irish Catholic family. Although Joe has had two successful careers, he is at heart a blue collar kid from Buffalo, New York. Joe sits on the board of the Inbalance Ranch Academy, a boarding school dedicated to helping troubled teens with addiction. After the loss of his son to a canoe accident, Joe runs a charity golf outing to benefit Penguin Players, a theater troupe for disabled young adults, mostly Downs, an Inbalance Ranch Academy. Joe is himself, as I said, 35 years sober, a member of AA, a fact that has helped him get close to God and help him carry through the dark times after Chris's crossing. Not willing to accept the world devoid of his beloved son, Christopher, Joe began to research the metaphysical and seek out the answers to what happens next. Joe's book, actually Joe and Chris's book, My Search for Christopher on the Other Side, tells the story of the first two years of that journey. Joe is also working on his, well, their second book, and I was always willing to share his story of hope with parents who have lost children. The first book that Joe wrote, My Search for Christopher on the Other Side, Joe will take you on an emotional roller coaster ride, discovering messages from his son, Chris, who died too young, or according to Chris, at just the right time. Beautiful and touching story filled with grief and heartache, with just a touch of humor in all the right places. His story will illuminate your path to the healing after a tragic loss and allow you a glimpse of the other side. Welcome, Joe. I am so thrilled that you're here today. Thank you, Charlene. It's really nice to see you. Thanks for having me on. Nice to see you too. And I'm honored you're here today. And I'm so honored that our guests get to listen to you about 
your experience, strength and hope with a devastating loss that you just would never expect your life changes in a moment. And today we're just going to talk about what it was like, what happened and what it's like today. And can you, you know, start off as just like, what happened? You know, um, first of all, thank you. And, and, and why I do this is because I've been given this great gift to connect with, with my son and, like our other program, you got to give it away to keep it. You know, uh, it, it was very clear in the writing of the book. Um, and and by the way, here's an offer for anybody that uh, the book's available on Amazon. Um, anybody that's in your wheelhouse here, if, if they want to send you an email with their address, I'll be happy to send them a book and and, and autograph it. And that's my my gift to them. It's it's, it's service to me. Um. So, uh, you know, my, 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 one second, one second, what do you mean? And and, and you say it fast because a lot of people may not understand this. When you say I have to give it away to keep it, can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I, we're in the recovery portion and I recovery, and I'd like to give people some tools on how to get to this other side of the grief. So first of all, the grief never goes away. You know, we, we, we acquire tools to deal with it and process it and live a full life. Anybody who said that time heals all wounds never lost a kid. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, there's a great movie called um, uh, uh, Manchester by the Sea. And a woman lost a couple of kids. And she said, my heart's broken. It'll always be broken. And that's it. But it doesn't mean you can't function. You're not full of love in life. Um, but a piece of you will never quite be the same. And, and, it, and, and the truth matters, I don't think it ever supposed to. You know, so, you know, I, I went on this search because I wasn't ready to let go of 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 my son uh, and his spirit. And I wanted to find out if any of this was was hokey BS or if it was real. And if it was hokey BS, then let's find something else to save my grief. Um, and I discovered this this world that I'm still, you know, about ankle deep in, uh, um, you know, with a whole lot to learn after after four years of, of, of searching. So, you know, I, what I believe is there's an obligation. I've, I've been, for some reason, spirit allowed me in, you know, to glimpse, to talk, to communicate with my boy, feedback, guidance. But I have a responsibility. There's a whole bunch of people whose hearts are broken and feel there's this void that'll never be filled, you know? Now, now yeah, I got to understand, and we were talking about this a little earlier, that you, know, you can't unring that bell. My son recklessly went out with a bunch of guys. They'd been, they were all college age, home for Christmas vacation. You know, the anniversary is coming up January 3rd. It'll be, it'll be five years, which is uh, amazingly surprising to me. And, um, and they went out and, and, you know, after an evening of, of, of drinking and carousing, um, staying at a friend's lake house, they jumped in a three-man canoe. Four guys paddled out. None of them made it back. They all dropped. It was a perfect storm. It was half frozen lake, cold, layered clothing, untied Timberland boots, and and too much demon run, you know. And they were, uh, they, they, you know, and and no, uh, at that age, as you probably did too, thought you were bulletproof. So, mm-hmm. so when I uh, when I decided that I needed to search into this thing, I was given this gift of, of awareness, and and what happened then was that in order for me to keep this, I was given the message that I had to help other people that didn't have the benefit of glimpsing that as a wonderful uh, author, Susan Giesman, 
says that, that they're still right here. You know, and she's an amazing woman who uh, who was on the Joint Chiefs of Staff. She was assistant to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. She was commander wow. in the Navy, and she lost her stepdaughter and and ended up you know, getting uh, being intuitive and, and becoming a medium. And her and I have become friends, and and she's really well well thought of and regarded and famous. And and I steal her line that they're still right here. You know that uh, you know that when when somebody leaves this realm, you know what it's called the afterlife. It's only after this life. You know, there's a great uh, there was a really good movie from uh, What Dreams May Come, and and maybe it'll clear it up because when I saw this, you know, a, a, you know, a light bulb went off. And in the movie, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. played uh, the spirit guide. And Robin Williams was a soul who had passed out, passed over, crossed over. And he was trying to explain what this all meant. And Cuba said to him, the, the origin of the word body is the Anglo-Saxon bodic, meaning abode, which is what the physical body is, a transient dwelling for the real self. And he said, you're in your house, right? You're in your house. That doesn't mean you are your house. Your house falls down. You get out. You walk away. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what our physical body is, you know, we're, 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 we're spiritual beings having a physical experience, not the other way around, you know? So, um, and believe me, you've known me for a long time. I'm kind of a hard nosed guy. I'm not the kind of guy you'd think would be sitting here on a podcast with, with sage and candles and writing a second book about connecting with spirit and helping others, you know, but that's and I exactly thought you were smoking a cigar. I go, are you smoking a cigar? Actually I had <laughs> sage going, but I will, I will confess that on the way back from my office in the city, I was, I, I had a, I had a Churchill cigar going pretty good. So, you know, that's, but that's, that's the kind of thing is that's who I am. You know, I'm, I'm still that guy, you know, I was, I'm, I'll be 64 in January and last February finally hung up the hockey skates because my hip was gone. So kind of a guy's guy. So I think that makes me a really good ambassador because, you know, you wouldn't look at me and think, wow, what a flighty cat. And I think Chris told me all during the, 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 when he was reciting to me excerpts to write down in the book, he would say, you got to give this away, pop. You got to keep working. You got to help others. So that's how I live my life, Shar. You know, I, I live my life to please God and to make my son proud. And every decision based on that, it's going to be a good one for me. It's going to be a good one for the people around me too. Yes. And I love what you're saying about where you are today. Can you take us back? These are for our listeners who have gone through something. And I love to hear stories and experiences. (laughs) Can you go back to that day or a few days before you found out about Chris, what this this tragedy happened with yeah. Chris and the loss of his friends. Like, what was your life like? Because I know you've had a lot of changes. You're still Joe. Yeah. Like yeah. Family. I, I know you went through your experience, Sally, your beloved wife, who you've known forever and married for right. 29 years now. I remember your romance back there. Yeah. But like, you guys are at home. Chris is still alive. And then couple of days before, and then the day you found out. Can you, you know, it's, it was it was just after Christmas. We had a wonderful Christmas, thank God. You know, it was one that we remember. And and I spoiled the kids because I was just so happy that we were all together and and, and safe and sound. And and, and 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 like me, he was wild. You know, he you know he, he comes from that you know, genetic side where where you know the party just doesn't stop. So 
when when he said to us, we're going to go up to a lake house you know, after New Year's. And and I thought, you know, that's far better than going down in the city and, and, and hooping it up where you can get in trouble. Right. You're going to be at this, you know, this quiet, you know, lake house setting. And and of course, they're going to drink too much and shoot pool and then kick up their heels. Um, but it seemed like a, it seemed like a great alternative, you know, and uh, and so so they were all going up for one day. And 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 being from Buffalo, I'm a huge uh, if you can tell from behind, I'm a huge sports fan and a Bills fan. And and he was, you know, uh, even though he was born in Chicago, he was a big Bills fan. So we, we were planning on watching the game together. It, it kick off at noon back home on Scott Avenue in Winnetka. Crazy thing is that that night, uh, three o'clock in the morning, I woke up with just a horrible, dreadful dream. And it wasn't anything of seeming significance. It felt like one of those dreams there. You, know, you show up without your homework or you're in your boxer shorts in class or one of those things. But it stayed with me. And uh, I subsequently learned some things that I will I'll, I'll follow up and tell you about. So at three o'clock in the morning, you know, I woke up, so I went back to sleep and got up and I was like, I wonder where he is. I'm texting him. I'm getting nothing back. And finally, I, I get a text from his friend that said, uh, who owned the lake house, that said, Mr. McHugh, you know, Chris and three, three, three of the guys, you know, are missing. And so, uh, you know, I grabbed a jacket and put on some hunting boots and grabbed my dog and jumped in a Jeep and started heading up. And I really anticipated finding them in a boathouse with some pretty co-ed or something. You know, I really just didn't creep in yet. And halfway up, I got a phone call uh, that said, it's no longer a search, but a recovery. All for a drought. Um, and you go into shock. You know, you really do. And, and I, I've always been a get it done guy in business, personal, whatever. And it was like, I just had to get this done. You know, I had to get up there and and I kind of describe walking in that that front room, looking out over a plate glass window, looking at the boats and the emergency boats and flashing lights and parents in the corner crying, kids in the corner huddling up crying. And, and you know, and you had to make the phone calls and you had to call Sal and tell her, her boy's not coming home. And my sister, who was Christopher's godmother and godfather, Michael, if you remember, Michael Homer, you know, it was just it was it was I was in shock. And then all of the details, man, the, the wake, the funeral, the menus, the whatever, the halls, the burial, the mass. What do you what, what do you want to choose for the masses? And and it was it was really rough. And I would come home those nights when I finally got home and and and, and, and Sally and I grieved entirely differently. She shut down for like six months, a shutdown. And, and we, we loved each other so much and respected each other. And we both adored our boys so much. And I would put as much activity in the day so that I could pass out, you know, or take an ambient, you know, to try to get some sleep. The first three nights I'd get on my knees and I'd thank God for my family and my sobriety. But I'd say to God, we're not good here, you and me. You know, you took my kid. And, and then I'd out to sleep. On the third day, I got a feedback back, which is kind of nice to have God make a house call. I got a feedback that said, I didn't take your son. His free will and recklessness caused him to come home early and I welcomed him. And he said, remember, I lost a son too. So at that point, God went from the guy who took my kid to a guy that was holding my son, you know, loving him and loving arms. I realized then that God wasn't a chess master moving me around or, or me paying for past sins of mine through my son. None of that. My, 
God went from this chess master to this loving, grieving guy that was helping me make it through this, you know, and, and, and my, my, my commitment and, and connection to God changed ever since then. So that was a difficult week, say the least. But it wasn't long after that that I actually reached out to a medium and, and somebody that I had met years before and told me something 16 years ago that kicked in and, and it started this search for me, you know. And, and like I said, you know, so a guy named Bob Olson, who was an investigator in L.A. and wrote a great book about answers from the other side. And he went into the exact same thing, assuming he was going to disprove it, you know. And yet we, we all of a sudden we'd be converted to this this reality that that what we're doing here is is one shot, one scene in the play, man. There's a whole lot more to, more to go, you know. And what cracks me up, Shar, uh, is that, you know, I'm going to go to Florida in February, do a little golfing, and I go on the internet and check out golf courses and where I want to stay and this and that and restaurants and crab claws and all that stuff, right? But we're all going eventually to the other side, you know, but most of us have no idea what's next and have no involvement in trying to figure out what's next. So what this has done for me is that I got a lot of work to do. I'm in a second book. I talked to parents. Um, I have this wonderful relationship with my son. Um, I have two other wonderful kids that still need their old man, even though I have a wonderful wife. But if God tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, pal, party's over. And, you know, it would be, I live this life beyond my wildest dreams. And the next trip around the, uh, the, the rink is, is with my son. So I'm good. You know, I, I have no fear of death. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be just fine. That's beautiful. And do yeah. you think based on this loss of Christopher, your journey through discovery and um, being of service to others, it's like, I know you went to a lot of psychics, not just this one, but to a few of them. And for our guests who maybe want to investigate this or our listeners want to investigate this, I have a feeling you took a lot of notes yeah. when you were yeah. when you were through it. Did, how did that help you? Because well, I know I've been to psychics and I just go there and I want them to put it on a tape and and I don't write anything down. It's maybe a couple things. And then afterwards people say, well, what'd they say? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> You but know, it's it's about it's the writing it's, process for you because I don't think you knew you were going to write a book. Oh God, no! You know, I'll tell you how that happened. But I went, and, and by the way, there's two different things: psychics and mediums. Okay, What's all, the all mediums are psychic. Mm-hmm. All psychics aren't medium. Mm. The best way I can sell, describe a, a, a medium is psychic. I, I believe in it's they're legit. It's just not for me. I want to connect with my son on the other side. So, mediums are like cell towers. And when a good medium is like a good therapist, they can tell you, dude, you can work on this. You can do this without me. You know, and they do. And I've become close friends with a handful. I mean, like really good friends with a handful of these guys. And they do so much work and service for others. And they literally are like cell towers that connect to the other side. You know, a conduit. Remember, remember in the old days, you'd, you'd look at your, your, your cell phone and you'd have to go up on a balcony or over to get a clear cell reception. And that's yeah. what these guys do. They just, they're tuned into this. We all have the same ability. Theirs is just honed and, and fine-tuned. We all can throw up. We all have the same right arm as a fastball pitcher throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. But others have a little more of a gift and they work on it. You know, and that's what these guys do. And, you know, and I have never encountered, you know, a hustler. Or a, I was in the car business for 27 years. I was a car dealer. 
I bought my first car from you. I remember out in St. Charles, Illinois. We taught you how to drive a stick across the street in the parking lot. No, I got a yellow Camaro from you. Oh, that's right. Your sister got the other one. She got the Capri or whatever. That's right. You got the Camaro. Yeah, and I had the yellow Camaro Chiquita banana car. Who got the snowstorms unbelievable. I paid $3,000 for it. Yeah, you could drive sideways through snowstorms. One of those cars. (laughs) But- you know, so so you're not going to hustle me. You're not going to fool me. And, and I've met some there are mediums that just didn't connect real well. But but I but I think it's like a coach or a or a, 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 a you know or a, a you know golf teacher, golf pro. You know, you have to connect energetically with your energy's got to connect with them for it to work. Like a a wonderful teacher, a professor. You know, some people it's like, wow, they're just, you know, and other people it's like, wow, phenomenal. And that's how it is. You know, so the connection I've had with some of these people is just so amazing. It continues today. And other ones, it was like, yeah, that was fine. Yeah, that was okay. You know, and then I just cross them off the list and don't go, you know. And 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 so I I did. And so what I did is I took copious notes. How's that for a guy with you know, two years of college, I took copious notes when I would be with these mediums. And then eventually what I started doing is actually recording them on the cell phone and then come home and take the notes. But that's, you know, down the road. So I was taking all these amazing notes and I just assumed that I'd be sitting on a rocking chair with a cigar going through these notes just to feel close to my kid. That's what, that was my assumption. You know, and the Greeks used to say that man plans and gods laugh. You know, but God had another plan for me. Chris had another plan for me. And and it was, you know, literally just over a year after Christopher had crossed over, I was, uh, Sally's brother was over and they were talking about when, when Chris was little, he'd play hide and seek when like two, two years old and, and he'd be hiding behind the couch and he'd say, hide again. You'd find him and he'd say, hide again. And he'd go take off and he'd say that two year old voice, hide again. And I heard Sally describing this to her brother and I thought, damn. They're not gone. We just don't see them. We need, I need to write this. And, and the next day I sat down and started writing the book. And, uh, and it did. I chronicled it, you know, exactly from the dates that everything went down. And it was, and I ended up, and I was told when to end it on the, on the second anniversary. And I was told when to finish the book. And he told me it had to be done on, on Father's Day of 2018. And, and it was, you know, the manuscript, which I didn't know it was a manuscript. I never wrote a book. Um, I thought it was a book <laughs> until I was, you know, it was a manuscript and, and, and it was done. And, I, and the second book will be finished by his birthday in, in April 15th of 21. I'll be done. I'm, you know, that's the plan that I'll have it. You know, he wants me to have it done by then. It's going to be done by then. And the second book very much, there's a lot of the same, a lot of readings, a lot of experiences, a lot of visits, but there's a lot more lessons for parents you know, to help them get through what we're all trying to get through, you know, and, and realize what they can do to, to, to connect, what they can do to, because I've, I speak in groups of parents and, and to people and I mean, well, you know, I, my sister's been gone three years and I've never connected with her. And I said, well, try harder, you know, work at it. You know, you've got to, you got to understand it's all energy. Everything's energy. Right. Read the book, The Secret, which I'm sure you've done. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a Gail's book. Right. And, but I've downloaded it and I listen to it all the time because I think it's great life, spiritual life lessons that talk about everything's energy. And so when when I want to connect, when I want to reach out, you know, it's it's an amazing thing. I get woken up every time at the same time, three o'clock in the morning. And I come in and I light sage and I align my chakras. Do I look like a guy that would align my chakras and, <laughs> and light candles 
And then I begin, I do a guided meditation. I begin to, to meditate and I'm raising my energy level, you know, my consciousness, I'm raising it. And then spirits and their said energy level is so much higher and faster. They vibrate so much faster than us that they lower theirs to meet us in the middle, you know? So when, the, you know, Christopher wants to connect with a spiritual slug of a dad, I got to do some work to be able to get my energy up there, you know? And if I don't, then it's not going to be successful. You know, and like in like in the book, uh, The Secret, you got to go first. The energy is a benevolent place. If you go first, you know, you got to do the work. And this isn't, this is no place for a slacker. You know, you're going to have to hustle. You want to get this thing done. And what would you tell someone who's never like, they're like you five, 10 years ago? Would you say to look on Google for something like, and I know you have your book, which will be great. And which book is it? Idiot's oh. Guide to Connecting with Spirit. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Idiot's Guide to Connecting with Spirits. Right? That's just an example. There's so many wonderful books. You know, go to Amazon and just, you know, start, look, look at my book and look at the reviews, read the reviews. If I ever wondered if I'd made a difference, you know, to take a look at the reviews in, on my book, Amazon. I mean, Chris and I have changed people's lives. I, I wrote this to chronicle for me and then found out it had nothing to do with me, that this was to impact other spirits and do a little, do a little good on my last lap around the track, you know? Yeah. And you know what they say, your pain is what your message is. And yeah, yeah I, 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 you know, I prefer it wasn't yeah. that way. You know? And you had to learn. And so now you're sharing what you've learned for, with others. And let right. me ask you, you lived it. You didn't live alone. You weren't a single divorced guy. You yeah. had your family with you. Right. How was their take on your own walk through this loss of Chris? And I know Sally was more inward for six months. But how was, how did your daughter and son, how was that experience for your family and your own new discovery? And I know you have a very supportive family, so I'm not I do. I do. to find conflict. But no, there wasn't, but I tell you what, the, but it was challenging. I mean, this is the kind of path that you're walking. 75% of parents who've lost kids end up divorced. 75%. You know, so Sally and I had this bedrock of, of spirituality and, and, and love. And so we allowed ourselves to grieve our own ways and come back. But it's like, like sobriety, that's your own path, right? And the kids had to take their own path. And there were pitfalls and errors and broken hearts. And, and to this day, it's still dealt with differently. Now, you got to understand, I was raised the youngest of 10 kids, Irish Catholic family, moved to the suburbs when I was five. And we were hooligans, right? So the neighbors hated us. You know, they were, so we had kids and dogs and bicycles and footballs. So I never cared what anybody thought outside the family, right? I just didn't care. I had this clannish mentality, you know? So I carried this into this too. And my kids share that. They've got the same, you know, genes that, 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 that I have that, and, and so it wasn't like, oh my God, your dad's kind of weird. You know, it's like the support that they've gotten is amazing. But you've got to understand that, how's this for a number? 75% of the population in the United States have had some sort of metaphysical contact, whether it was a dream, a visit, uh, a feeling. A, you know, so the veil, which is the, the wall between both worlds, is thinning. It's very thin right now. 
you know, we're really progressing as a species and understanding it's not this selfish, self-centered being that we think we are, that it's something much different. So it's no longer wacky. And if somebody, you know, I, I was doing one of my first radio interviews, I remember from a lady in California, um, in your neck of woods. And, and she said, so what do you tell somebody that just doesn't believe? I said, tell them to change the channel. I don't care. I'm not selling anything, right? Well, you're not going to, you know, I don't want your donations and I don't need your help. You know, what I want you to do is open your heart and mind and heal if you need it. And, and there's a place to come for that. And, you know, we, I do a lot of stuff with helping parents heal. There's an online support. And they're wonderful people. And they, they share this brokenheartedness. And then there's a valiant spirit that goes along with that. Because we're all, we all just keep going. There's no, there's no out option. You know, there is, but we're all going to take it. But it comes in God's time, not yours and mine. Right. What a special journey you're on. And no kidding. Who would have thought, uh, right, Char? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I were to lose a child, I've never had children, but I've had animals. Yeah. That I love that were like children. But if I had lost a child, grief is grief. We all go through different experiences through it. Somebody may have lost a son and they've had a totally different grief experience because of their own unique relationship with that beloved person who either died tragically or through health or whatever. But um, yeah, I would send anyone to you. And it's just so beautiful what you've walked through. Joe, can you give a couple nuggets on how the book and writing has helped you get more fuller in the relationship? And what I mean is like, sometimes grief recovery is about like, when you're at a in your traumatic grief, you can't even talk without when mentioning the person's name or the experience without breaking down. Mm -hmm. People go through years through that. Right. Right. And how did you get to that other side where, where I know with losing Christopher and with your family, you guys were in extreme grief, but I'm sure the tears we're just watering the soul unbelievable where it could water a forest of all right. the tears you guys went through. What do you think was the turning point that you all of a sudden got to walk in this world on a more solid ground? And was it the writing? Was it the book? Was it the family, you know, cohesiveness and journey together? Can you explain a little bit? Are you understanding what I'm I do. I understand completely. But I will tell you that one of the things I'm going to tell your listeners, the same thing I tell people I talk to, the same thing I feel is that, I got to tell you, if, if not every day, there's a moment where I still break down. You know, I was talking today with a dear buddy of mine uh, uh, outside of the office. We we're having a cigar and, and chatting about business. And and he's a dear friend. And we were talking about the, the anniversary coming up. And I was asking him for a recipe for chili. And and I said, God, I miss him. And I just started crying. And you know what? I've been, and what, what happens is if you try to hold that in, you know, you're going to have issues. You're going to have ulcers, you know, you're going to, so I, I, you know, it's a tsunami. I let it, I let it go over, you know, and, and I'm not real worried if somebody thinks, oh my God, you know, he's feeling sad. What a candy ass. You know, I don't care. You know what I mean? I, I like who I am. I like who I am at 63, almost 64, better than I've ever liked myself before. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is that I'm a different, I was a lot different guy than I was in 1985 when I got sober. And I'm a lot different guy than I was in, before January 3rd, 2016. And so to look out the window and think this is nothingness would have been horrible. 
And yet I was prepared. Maybe that was the answer, but, but I found it wasn't. And then I didn't choose this path. This path was chosen for me. You know, I, me, I'm just following the breadcrumb shower. Um, this is what I, I did. I thought when the book, my first book, which by the way, is a magnificent book, get the book. Um, everybody listening. Uh, it's awesome. Then I say that with humility because it was dictated by my kid. You know, I'm just the vehicle, you know, but get the book. And, and, and I thought we were one and done. I really did. I thought, and then I was worried that once the book was done, maybe the connection would be diminished. And after I was done with the book, Christopher said, we're not done, Pop. You know, and we won't be done until you cross. And by the way, he's also told me, you know, that he's over there with my old Labrador and that he knows that, that my dog who's older now will be transitioning and that they're there. So you worry about your pets. They're there. You worry about Uncle Fred. He's there. Now, depending on your soul family, and don't confuse this with a soulmate. You know, that's a hallmark term as far as I'm concerned. But there is soul family, you know, and there are those people that you meet and you just feel an immediate connection or, or security or safety. You know, chances are real good. You've been together in another life. You know, interestingly, I've had a medium say that Chris and I were really close. I mean, but we could laugh it up, yuck it up, play golf, hang out, or just be. We could just hang out and watch a movie. And they said, the reason you were so comfortable is because you were siblings in another life. So it's not uncommon. In fact, it's very, very common that the people in your soul family have lived in different aspects of life at other times. And how do I know that? Because I researched it because I wanted to know because something cued me up and said, I need to know more about this. And so I started researching, researching. I never had a, a near-death experience, but it's in the second book because a lot of people have, and I wanted to know about it. And I wanted to be of service and helpful and what that means, near-death awareness. When you know somebody's loved ones, you know, some of these older parents, especially um, you know, family members, are getting ready to go. They see other members of their family in around them that nobody else sees because they're in spirit. And there's a term for that, near-death awareness. I didn't know. How did I find out? I looked. I researched. I did the footwork. And that keep, that's like air to me. That keeps me breathing. And that makes me close. And when I, I finished a chapter that I particularly like, and I, I just wrote one that I was particularly fond of, and I, and I felt proud, and I knew Chris was proud of me. It's hard to go wrong. Beautiful. Thanks. Beautiful. And I'm so thrilled that you came on today to share. Me too. And for me to be able selfishly to spend time with you. Me too. And really update. And what is the new book called? Do you have a title yet? Yeah. the one that's coming up? It's called Now What? You know, uh, Answers from the Other Side. You know? Oh. And and I'm really, I'm I'm working a great editor now and and I'm just digging it. And I'm going to spend the month in Florida. Of February and uh, and work every day because I work because I like to work, and I need to work. But it'll give me a lot of time. And and Chris was Chris and I have this amazing connection on beaches, specifically in Florida. Why I have no idea, but we do. The sea calls to us, and and so there's this great connection. And it's in the first book. A lot of those experiences. So I'm going to love being. I'm going to be staying at what was my sister's place and and writing there. And Chris loved it, and her energy's there. And traveling up to Siesta Key and in Sarasota. Siesta Key is literally the the sand isn't sand; it's quartz crystal flowing down from the Appalachian two thousand years ago. It flowed down, and so you can stand on the beach in Siesta Key, ninety five degrees, and your feet don't get hot because it's not sand; it's quartz crystal. So I always keep some of that when I write. I spread a little bit around my 
my my my uh, legal pad, and and I you know I use the tools and I connect and I and I and I grab what whatever they give me that'll help me connect. Beautiful. What a sacred, you know, so one of the tools is like create a sacred space. If you're going to be writing, no judgment, just write. And just like, we have a thing, stay out of the intellect, get into your heart. Yeah. And just, even if it's something tells you to write purple squirrel, purple squirrel, just write it. You know, this room, this room here was Christopher's bedroom. This is my office at my house. This is where every keystroke, other than editing a little bit in Florida. So it'd be a new experience to actually write, you know, in, in a different location because his energy is here. I feel it here. But, you know, so for me, this is a, a thin place. Where the, his grave is a thin place. Now, I know he doesn't live there. You know, I don't think he lives in his grave. But it's a, for me, it's a wonderful place where I can sit with a folding chair and my dog and a cigar and feel and connect with him. You know, it's a thin place for me. So, so I would tell your reader, your, your listeners to find your own thin places, find that sacred place, because a lot has to do with energy, his energy, your energy, their energy, but find it, seek it out. I went to uh, Sedona and expected to be wowed. You know, I couldn't wait to go to Sedona. Zero, Zippo. I mean, it was interesting. Just didn't click for me. You know, then I went to Lilydale in upstate New York and, and was knocked off my wagon, you know, so you know, my thin place, my sacred place isn't yours, you know, so find your own. They're there. Just try, yeah, let go try of harder. Yeah, let go of that control. You're oh, showing yeah. up, no judgment, yeah. just like, yeah. okay, is it working? Oh, I just love it. Now, um, I would love to invite you when your second book is out. Would you sure. come I'd love back to. and join us? Abs- absolutely. I would be Thank- very pleased. Oh, I'm just so happy you were here today. Thank you, everyone who's listening today, tomorrow, anywhere in the world that you are. We've had some guests, Australia, Ireland, Cambodia, United States, of course. So please share if this resonates with you, share with your friends. Please listen to its fullness. It's there is a caveat to me sending you a book. It's got to be in the continental United States because I'm not going to pay for customs. <laughs> <laughs> the United States is great. And it'll all be in the notes, too. So I have all how you great. can reach Joe. And thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. We're all in the podcast platforms and peace, love, and harmony. We love you, Joe. Thank you so much for being on. My pleasure. God bless. Okay. See you guys. See you next time. Thank you for joining our Grief Recovery Now journey. Like what you heard? It would be the biggest compliment to our mission if you would please subscribe, rate, and review Grief Recovery Now on Apple Podcasts, and we will keep you posted on our next podcasts. If you don't have Apple, we are also on Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Also, please join our private Facebook group, Grief Recovery Now, and if you are in need of any personal attention, please contact me with the link on this podcast page, which is griefrecoverymethod.com forward slash G-R-M-S forward slash Charlene dash Gorzella. It would be an honor to hear from you.